This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 385, for Wednesday, December 9th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Mr. Lou Page is back. You can find him at Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters, and is one half of the Zombies Ate My Podcast podcast. Hello, sir. Howdy. I don't know whether people have caught on if I would just call it Zamp. But I, I always yeah. feel funny. I catch myself going like, the we, zombies ate my podcast. Pot, pot, podcast. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But you guys we, are we, like the, the, me. We, I like to create things that have acronyms. Like when I'm emailing people, I never say the Sizzle Cafe. I always say TCC. And people know what I mean. We've called it ZAMP forever. And I just always assume people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you guys I mean, have been we've doing been that doing, a long we, time. Uh, I I forget the, the the exact date, but we're on eight or nine years now. Yeah, well, because uh, the Citadel Cafe is nine, and uh, I completely missed uh the the like anniversary week back in November. Uh, normally I pay attention to that kind of stuff, but I think at at a certain point when you've been doing this for as long as I have, you have like the the milestones that creep up that you want to celebrate are like the big episode numbers, like you know three hundred, four hundred, like. Uh, 10 years in podcasting with the Sizzle Cafe. That will be a fun next year, you know, 2021. Um, but like when it's like, you know, nine years or like 250 episodes, like it's cool. But you're just like, I, you know, after a while, it all starts to just kind of like blur together. Because um, I know that I've talked about things on the show more than once now, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of uh, even last week when I was talking about uh, Alita Battle Angel, I remember talking, I believe with you about the trailer. And, and yeah. what we were thinking about and what whether it was going to be close to the manga and all this kind of stuff. And I remember kind of like rehashing some of those thoughts like mid-sentence on the podcast like last week on like, I have said this before. Or I have mm -hmm. said, I had said, I hope it's this or I hope it's that. And I was either right or wrong, you know, and I'm re recalling that. But it was like, it was like 50 or 60 episodes ago because the trailer came out about a year before the movie. And so yeah. when you and I were talking about it, like it was well under the 200s, you know, in terms of the episode numbers, like, oh gosh, no wonder I don't remember talking about this. <laughs> I will tell you, I saw that movie in theaters and seeing that in theaters made a difference. Oh, I would imagine it did. I, I would imagine it did. I um, One thing I did make a note of last week is that I did watch Alita in chunks. I was not able to sit down and watch the whole thing. Uh, you know, dinner was over, you know, you get up, you clean the dishes, then you watch another half an hour before bed or like whatever that happens to be. I just, I did yep. not sit down through the whole thing. I think that probably helped. Otherwise I probably would have been like, wow, this is a really slow, <laughs> slow film. Um, mm -hmm. I was just so caught up with the visuals that, that I, uh, and, and you're right. I think it would have been even cooler to see on, on the big screen. Um, especially a lot of the sound design was really neat too, but, yep. but yeah. Um, so what's new in the, uh, the page household? Uh, no sleep. Uh oh, you finally the sleep fairy has finally taken away her her magic powers. Yes. So for about the last three weeks, it it, it instead of like getting up once a night, it's like three times a night. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, we're working on it, but it apparently from every book Eric has read, what we're going through right now between the four and five months and five and six months, this is kind of a normal thing for the kid to hit. So right. Uh, the other day, uh, I finally fell asleep, and then my alarm went off an hour later, and I had a total of three hours sleep from the night before. And Erica was like, how are you still awake? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just magic now at this point. <laughs> She's like, are you going to fall asleep after dinner? And I said, I'm going to try not to. And I didn't. I ended up staying up like another, like, I, I think I was up like 19 hours straight before I fell asleep. She's like, you only had three hours. How have you been able to stay awake 19 hours after three hours of sleep? And you were probably up 19 hours the day before. I'm like, I don't know. 
Yeah, there's a hump that you have to get through. I, I had a really rough night uh, Sunday into Monday, I guess. And um, going into Tuesday night, like Monday evening, I was staying up even later. Like I was pushing myself past, you know, where I was tired because I, I really just wanted to go to sleep and not wake up. Like I didn't want to. And I ended up going to sleep at a reasonable time. But then, of course, Tuesday morning, I was up at zero dark stupid. And I feel like part of it is the time change. Like we're coming up on the winter solstice. And I I found myself streaming on the weekend. And uh, all of a sudden, it was dark. And I started to panic. I was like, oh, geez. I'm, I was only supposed to stream for like three and four hours. Like how long has it been? Blah, blah, blah. I was only streaming for 90 minutes. But because it was a very cloudy day, super rainy, overcast on the east side of the building where my studio is like it was dark at four in the studio lights were coming on like all that kind of stuff and i was like this is nuts and it just kind of like it messed with my brain and made me think it was much later and i think part of it is just like i'm at that stage now where like if i'm up early enough i'm eating breakfast with you know in the dark and and then i'm eating dinner in the dark because i never eat much before five or six and it's dark at 4 30 now so I'm just, I'm at that stage of like, did the sun come up today? I don't remember checking. <laughs> just yeah, Erica gets mad at me because I'm home all day and she has to go to the office. So I'm working from home. Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting on the, on the couch in the living room with my work laptop all day. And I won't even open the shades at this point anymore. <laughs> and she comes home and she's like, did you not open the windows? Like, why? What's the point? Yeah. It's yeah. just me sitting here on the couch by myself and it's not even getting that bright out. <laughs> yeah. I do like, I get some natural light in the morning in my apartment and I do like it when it's sunny. It's nice. It's nice in here. So I do, I leave the curtains open most of the time. Um, but also my apartment is so warm that I often have like the bedroom shade is up and the, the I don't have curtains in the studio. You think I would, but I, I don't have them because the light in the morning is only brief and so that I don't have to deal with reflections on screens all day long, uh, which is wonderful. But my apartment gets so warm that even in the wintertime, I very often have windows open. Uh, the only time I close them is um, when it's more temperate like it is these days. Um, I can keep them closed for podcasts because it's a little bit quieter, you know, like if a siren goes by or something like that. Right. But but yeah, no, it's just it's it's one of those things where like I'm really noticing it. I'm, I think it's probably like the combination of like being home all the time you know, not going out very much for, for anything other than groceries, you know, with the pandemic. But then on top of that, the time change, because this is like, it was already uh, in like March of last year, it was already starting to get lighter as the days yeah. went on when the lockdown was first happening. So like once April hit and you can go out for walks and you can go out for jogs and things like that, the days were brighter and longer and they just continued to, to get so. Uh, but now we're on the opposite side of that. And I'm really... I'm I'm wondering how many people are going to start chiming up. I feel like it's happened a little bit on social media, but I think there's going to be this endless commentary on like the long dark winter of 2020 into 21 um because of the the lockdowns and everything else. Yeah, well it's finally getting to me. I mean, I I for for listeners that I think know that know me from the, at this point, uh I technically I started working from home in January when I broke my leg. Right. Uh, yes. I, I've only I only spent two weeks in the office for the entire year so far. Um and I've been great about working from home and whatever and 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 you know, I also was on uh parental leave for a couple of months and it was like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. <clears throat> the four walls of my house are finally starting to close in on me. Yeah. I was kind of crawling especially now that it's getting dark. I was kind of like crawling up the walls when my wife came home the other day and Erica goes, what's the matter? And I'm like, I don't know, but I need to get out of the house. And she's like, well, why don't, why, why don't you go for a walk tomorrow on your lunch break? I'm like, it's 10 degrees out. I'm <laughs> yeah. not walking. It's too cold. Yeah. I'm okay with the temperature. I just, we've had some crap weather here lately and it's just mm -hmm. been rainy. Um, there hasn't been much snow. Um, there was one little bit a while ago, but it's all uh, long since gone, but it was just all the leaves were on the ground. And so like where I normally jog fairly often, it's just wet and slippery. And I just don't like feel like testing my luck, you know, with that kind of stuff. So I've been working yeah. out at home. I also had a bit of a shoulder problem that 
you know, when I, when it started to bug me when I was running, I was like, okay, that's just, you just need to stay home for two weeks, just stretch and ice and take care of things and get back into things slowly. And I'm back into working out at home with like a set of dumbbells and stuff. So I, I could probably go up for a jog now and it would be okay. Um, especially now that again, the leaves are all down and it's been swept away and, you know, unless it's raining, then, then I'll, I should probably get out and go more often now, but it's, uh, it's tough. Like when you, when you get into the routine and your brain just says like, don't get anything in your head about going out and doing stuff because you really need to stay home and do your part grocery shop when you have to, but like, really, you don't have to go anywhere. That's the safe thing to do. And I just, for whatever reason, a walk just doesn't pop into my brain. Like it's just, it's, it's outside, it's outside the house. So don't do that. You know, like it, it's silly. Um, so I need to, I need to get better at doing that. Although something I do enjoy and it will eventually happen is that when I do like walk around the neighborhood in the first snowfall, that's usually nice, you know, especially if it's around Christmas time and people have got all their lights on. And I, I have to say, I'm not sure about your neighborhood, but people around here, I feel like have turned up the Christmas cheer a little bit, just you know, yes, Christ, Christmas lights, every, every um, almost every house um, has at least something. Uh, every house uh, on my street, except for maybe this, there's probably about 40, 50 houses on my street. And I'd say out of the 40 or 50, like 25 to 30 of them have lights. Yeah. We didn't this year. We usually put up, don't put up lights, but we usually put up decorations outside. We haven't this year just cause with the baby and everything else going on, we just don't have the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we usually have our Christmas tree up by now and I haven't brought it upstairs yet just cause I have to clean up the living room with from baby stuff to put up the tree. And I've been like, eh, I don't want to do that. But everybody in my neighborhood has put up stuff. And the town even went out of its way. Um, they they decorated uh, five fire trucks head to toe with Christmas lights and various Christmas decorations. Uh, they decorated two of what's called an RTP bus. They're basically the bus to help take the elderly to doctor's appointments and stuff. Right. Uh, they decorated two of those uh, and like four or five police cars and a bunch of other stuff. And they did a parade around every neighborhood uh, with at night, like a Christmas light parade since people can't go anywhere, which was fun. Well, we stood at the front window and watched them go down the street right in front of my house. And oh, Erica, cool. was Erica was like, all right, now time, now it's time to put the baby to sleep. Yeah. If, if communities can do stuff like that and just kind of like tell people to watch from their front porch, that's a, that's a cool idea. Uh, for, um, they for... did, so they did something similar in my town for Halloween rather than sending, uh, we still got kids in my neighborhood because my neighborhood is the neighborhood that everybody goes to. But if you were afraid to go out or couldn't go out, uh, one of the local shopping centers arranged what they called trunk or treat. And uh, they made spots so that people could line up their cars and they could uh, put a thing of candy in their trunk, pop open their trunk, and you could check out all the kids in their costumes and wave from a distance. Nice. That's cool. That's a neat idea, actually. Trunk or treat. <laughs> Well, the only other thing that's worth mentioning very, very briefly is I still do not have my hands on an Xbox Series X. Uh, I know you are not surprised because you've nope. um, participated in uh, and no longer uh, bother with uh, launch uh, days or launch months for consoles. Uh, I now understand why. Uh, you and I were chatting a little bit uh, in the pre-show, and I've just found it... Um, I've just found it frustrating to even just try to buy something. It's It's a little bit strange. Like, I understand... And acknowledge like the privilege of the situation of the fact that I'm able to afford one of these and it's something I'd like to pick up. But it's just like, I, I, but I can't do it. Like they just, the either, you know, Microsoft didn't make enough, or more than likely, what from what I've seen, retailers are kind of botching the release of stock to the point where I don't know whether bots are getting in or whether um, customers are just like whether the systems are just not. They're only getting like fifty units. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, they're yeah. only getting like 50 or 100 units and that's getting there's so many people clicking all at the same time that boom bam then it, it's gone yeah well and, and the thing that i don't understand um because this is such a poor customer experience and i've not experienced it myself and so this is only just anecdotal from from twitter 
but I've seen replies to retailers saying like, we're going to have stock available at like, say, you know, 1 PM, you know, or 12, 12 Eastern, you know, 12 PM Eastern on this day, whatever. And ultimately there's always a good number of people that reply and say, I had it. I was here the second that the page refreshed and I got it in my cart and I was filling out my information. And before I could finish the checkout process, it was sold out. And I, I'm just so surprised that there's not some sort of timer where it's like, okay, you've got one, you were here on time, you're in the checkout process. You know, you now have like two minutes, not a long time, but enough time to enter in your address, your credit card, you know, your information and check out without that unit being removed from your cart. Cause that has got to be the most frustrating experience. Cause you have that little twang of excitement when you say, Oh, I was here. I managed to get through. I'm just going to buy it now. And before you can hit enter, they're all gone. And that has to be infuriating as, as a customer, a potential customer. Cause you're not a customer. Oh, yeah. You haven't bought anything, you know, like I, I, and I don't think that these retailers by putting these things out and making these sales, I think they're doing more harm than good. Like they don't care. No, they, they really don't. Cause they know that you're going to need, you want this thing. You're going to have to go to them for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised that there's not like a, like I would, I would happily, I, well, I don't know about happily. I would be willing, I think to put some sort of deposit down with Microsoft, not with a retailer, but like to be just like, put me in a, in a list of like, you know, a thousand people or what, I mean, it'd be a lot more than a thousand, but, uh, you'll just, you know, you'll get it when it's available. Like just, you've, you've reserved a spot. You have one. As soon as one is available for you, we just that's, have to. <clears throat> back in the day, that's how GameStop used to do it. Yeah. Is you would pre-order it with them before the console launched and they would give you a ticket number and they'd say, you are number 250. So when we get to number 250, because we've given out 249 of them, we're going to call you and we're going to give you 24 hours to come pick it up. And if you don't, it goes to the next person. Nice. And you've got to wait. Yeah. And that's how they used to do it. They don't do that now. Uh, my best first console experience ever was my Nintendo GameCube. I didn't know the Nintendo GameCube was out. I was on a lunch break and I wandered through a GameStop and the person that ran the GameStop was a friend of mine. And he was like, hey, have you seen the GameCube? And I'm like, when did it come out? And they're like, today. And I was like, and how many pre-orders did you get? None. Okay, so how many do you have in the store? Ten. And I was like, how much is it? And they're like, it was like, I think it was 250 bucks at the time. And I was like, all right, I'll buy one. And, and like literally, I went home that afternoon after work and 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 played on a GameCube. And I was like, "Wow, this was not in demand. There was no, there was no pre-order, no no nothing." So, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of it has to do with the pandemic and like a lot of people from home. But I I think it's also like the next gen consoles tend to have it's pretty beefy hardware compared to the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four, from what I can gather. Uh, and so it's if people that are looking to upgrade, I think the experience of the games coming, I think it's going to be worth it, which is why I think people are, are champing at the bit for these things. But yeah, like I just, I just, I feel like there's something that I'm not understanding as my first experience with the launch. And for those of you wondering, I hadn't decided if I wanted a console back when they were pre-ordered, like when you could have pre-ordered in September, I, it wasn't really something I was thinking that heavily about. Uh, it was only um, as I did more research that I decided that I wanted to to get one. Your experience uh, with a pre-order would be pretty much almost as bad as what you're experiencing now. The same, yeah. Although the one thing that I have said is that those that did pre-order, those that did manage to get a pre-order in, have received their consoles. Like they're not waiting. Like they, they got. Yeah, them. but some of but some of those people that that they told them that they would be receiving their pre-order on like November 10th. And they didn't ship it until like November 15th. And so yeah. they didn't get them until like, like November on. 25th. Yeah. And I, and I know some people that were 
were pretty ticked because they had planned it as a gift for people and or yeah they had taken a vacation thing and they were going to be able to play with their new console and was yeah. like no yeah yeah i wouldn't i would never go so far as like book time off or anything like that <laughs> and i mean i i know that a lot of people are probably looking for these under the tree for this year but i i don't think i think people should really have ma major backup plans like you should not you know now on the flip side a lot of the other things that i was stressed about for christmas shopping that i bought online um have either arrived or have i have indication that they have been shipped which means the item is available three or four days or, or a week before I thought it was supposed to be. And the shipping date was like, you know, the 13th or the 14th. That's like, well, that's cutting it kind of close. But this family member would not be upset if I kind of like put a photo of it in an envelope and said like, look, this is on its way. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, whereas uh, now that it's already shipped, I was like, actually, that's a pretty decent window. You know, and given that it's coming via FedEx and not like Canada Post or USPS, then I was just like, okay, this is probably going to get here before Christmas. I'm okay with that. Uh, my, yeah. my experience across the board has been under promise and over deliver from Amazon. Everything that they have sent has arrived two days early. Yeah. Back in March, I think it was, uh, I backed a Kickstarter. Uh, Erica has a green thumb. She likes to plant stuff. And it's basically like a little pod thing that you hooked to your it, it's magnetic so it'll stick to your refrigerator and then it has a little uh it's not an led but it's like a uh uh it's got a light in it so that you can put it where you don't get sunlight and oh, nice. you can grow your plant places and it was a it is a chain of them and they connect via usb to the to a wall outlet and you just plug it in and they can daisy chain so you can put three of them together and then plug it into a wall and it was a kickstarter thing it was like 50 bucks to get three of them and I was like, awesome, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this for Erica for her birthday. Her birthday's coming in August. We're now going on November and I still haven't received them yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, they, and, and I booked this thing in March and they were supposed to ship them in like April or May. Yeah. And and literally, if you go to their, their Kickstarter page, it's just a wall of like, yeah, we know we're behind. Yeah, we know we're behind. Yeah, we know we're behind. But here's how many we shipped out this week. Here's how many we shipped out this week. Here's how many we shipped out this week. And I'm just like, it gets here when it gets here. So I said to Erica, at this point, I think Erica forgot I bought this for her. So when <laughs> it shows up, it's going to be this like magical thing that shows up at the door. <laughs> it is fun when, like with Kickstarters, especially with like, I tend to back independent stuff, not companies doing Kickstarters, but like, you know, artists doing their own books and things like that. And so I kind of like, pay for it and forget about it and just like meh i'll get it when i get it i understand that these things take time i understand that it's probably going to be slow um it'll just it'll be it'll be done when it's done and i'm not i'm not in any rush because i'm generally buying it for myself so then it's always like christmas when something arrives you're like i don't remember ordering anything on that off amazon or or off you know off a website why is the the front doorbell ringing what's the, what's the longest you've had to wait for something from kickstarter who uh I think it was the Sky Heart graphic novel from Jake Parker, but that wasn't that wasn't necessarily his fault. I want to make sure. How, that that's how late was it? At least a year. Like I it was, and I don't mean I, I don't mean I waited a year. I mean it was a year late. I waited yeah. six or eight months for it, and it came like a year later. But like I want to say, like I can't remember whether he moved or whether there was like a death in the family. Like there was there was just a number of things that just all piled onto this dude. And it was just like, uh, and I was just I, like, dude, whatever you get to it when you can, you know, I backed a, uh, board game. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm still waiting on and it's like the zombie apocalypse. And, and it, 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 I forget what the, I can't even remember what it's called. It's been so long, but I backed it almost four years ago. And they said it went, when you, when you booked it, they said it like 18 to 24 months before ship. So I knew it was going to be like two years. That was like 2016, 2017, <laughs> and we're going on 2020. Wow. And they're still sending updates like on a regular basis, and their updates are like, yeah, we know. Please stop yelling at us. We know. Yeah. Well, at a certain and, point, and, you have and, to take responsibility for it, though. Well, they're based – the company that did it is based out of Italy, and you know about those Venice floods that happened like, like a couple years ago? Yes, yeah, hmm. It flooded their office. Oh no! 
And so that put them like six to eight months behind and they lost all their computers and they had to start all over again. (laughs) And then something else happened. And then this COVID stuff happened. And because of the COVID stuff, like they're sending their parts to the manufacturer that's supposed to be printing this stuff. And the manufacturer is going like, yeah, no, you get it when you get it. And I'm like, and I'm like, I understand. But Uh, there's a reason why I've kind of put the, the, I haven't stopped, but the 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 progress on a very small aspect of my business I don't talk about much, which is Forge Publishing, a small artist imprint uh, that I run. I haven't leaned into that hardly at all this year because it deals with physical goods and shipping, and and mm. I am not Amazon, you know. Like I, I don't do the physical stuff. I have a, a partner with SalesGeek Consulting in the states. Dave is amazing, and he's been going throughout the pandemic. But I just. I don't have the bandwidth, you know, to deal with all of the potential delays and all that kind of stuff. So if sales yep. come in, I mean, I haven't done a new book uh, in a long time, but if sales come in, it's fine. They're prints like it's people usually have those kind of expectations, but there's a reason why I decided to postpone any kind of like meetings or talks or, or push any kind of agenda for Kickstarters in 2020 is because of the physical shipping of, of books, uh, especially now. Not good. Oh, especially with things in the UK changing with Brexit and the VAT and just like, nope, nope. I just, I don't want to deal with that this year. I will wait for the dust to settle and then I will think about another one. And I mean, like, I'm sure it'll happen. Uh, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it, but it's just, it's, I, I deal mostly now in digital, digital rewards, digital goods, digital services. And it just, it's a, it's a much easier uh, ocean to sail, you know, uh, in that sort of um, in, in the current climate, I guess. Um, but speaking of, um, smooth sailing, spoiler, not at all. Um, I watched Shazam, Shazam finally. I, I, uh, I think I've mentioned on the show, um, that I subscribed to Crave and HBO just for the holidays, just to kind of catch <clears throat> up on some films. Cause there's a bunch of stuff there. Like something they just added was a Ford versus Ferrari, which is a movie that got quite a lot of attention that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, but on the nerdier side, I did get to see Shazam. Uh, I'm sorry that I did. <laughs> I, fi- I, I did not have as bad of an experience when I saw this as you did. I saw it at a drive-in. Right. And 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 I wasn't... As far as, as the DC movies go, I try not to expect anything from them. So the fact that it made me laugh and the fact that I like the actor who played Shazam and the kid was a pretty decent actor, I was like, all right, I'll forgive its flaws. It, it made me laugh a couple times and the villain was bad, but eh. So the problem that I had with it is I I think the marketing kind of like, um, I mean, the marketing tells you it's going to be a sillier side of a DC superhero film. Uh, it's going to have some levity to it because uh billy batson is what 14 you know and he, he receives these powers from the wizard shazam and becomes captain marvel uh in the comics you can't say captain marvel in the film because of course marvel of the mcu already has a captain marvel movie out uh in uh played by brie larson and so they can't call him Captain Marvel. And I always thought he was, when I was a kid, I thought he was Shazam. Like, I thought that was the character's They've name. They've changed it in the comic now. That, that, that's what he gets called in the comics now. Oh, really? They don't, they don't yeah. call him Captain Marvel anymore. So I did a little Wikipedia reading beforehand. But really, like, it just, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I was, they make, they make jokes about it in the film. It's funny once, but then it really starts to get tiring. But I agree. I think that uh, Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, and um, Asher Angel, who plays Billy Batson. Um, they are the one thing that saves Shazam from an unwatchable mess. Like, that's why I didn't bail on it. Uh, yep. I, I got really fed up with it probably about an hour and change into it, and it's not very long. So at that point, it's like, well, I might as well just finish it. Um, so So I did, and I was disappointed with the ending. Like, they really... They went farther than I thought they were going to. And I think the problem that I had was that I was looking at it like, okay, Deadpool was funny, but obviously not family friendly and, and action packed and had all that kind of stuff. Not really my thing, I, but I didn't dislike it because I knew what I was getting into. And uh, my reasons were not that it wasn't funny. It was more of a 
more of a, uh, I don't like the anti-hero stuff that much. And that's just, I knew that going in. So I, I accepted Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2 and said like, well, they were fine. This I thought was just going to be kind of like a DC version. I knew it wasn't going to be like R-rated or anything like that. I knew they were going to keep it lighter. But this is a kid movie. This is not, this was not meant for adults. Like you're, this yep. was, this was uh, in all the same ways that like the Jumanji films and some of the other stuff that Dwayne Johnson puts out. Cause he was an executive producer on this. Um, and which made a lot more sense once I found that out after I watched the movie um, is that he like, it's just, it's very safe and, and yes, there's, it is. there's no real peril and anything that's shown is just meant to be like, he's the bad guy because we say he's the bad guy. Uh, I always thought that Voldemort was a dumb villain in Harry Potter, but at least Harry Potter makes you sort of wary of him. Uh, in this... Or, and as the books go on, they do give you his reason behind being evil. Mm-hmm. It's not like in the first few books, he's just evil for evil's sake and then you get his backstory and you go oh okay i get yeah. it yeah and this you don't get a backstory other than like a car crash and a, a, and a, a father and older brother that just completely abused this nerdy little kid like it's just it's not like verbally yeah. it's it's not it's it's just it's so cookie cutter like it's really bad but i think what happened was um dwayne johnson was originally meant to be playing black adam in the film but then Black Adam got spun out into its own thing, and now which it's... is its own it's a, its own mess because I don't know how they're gonna do that because Black Adam is a villain, not a hero. And well, they're going anti-hero, I think, with them, which so I'm not on board. I mean, the one the one thing that'll be nice about Black Adam is that they won't have to put pads on Dwayne Johnson when when they cast him in the role, uh, which leads me to the first thing I thought about this in the trailers. I it never works for me in this film. They should have just put. Zach Levy in a gym for a couple months and put him in a suit. Uh, now um, I, I just, it was just too much. It just looked stupid. He looks like he, he looks like he's, he looks like he belongs at a Disney park. And the funny thing is, is that he actually got ripped for the thing. It just wasn't enough for the executives. They didn't want him. They were like, no, no, no. We need you to look even bigger. Yeah. Because in the comics, he's the captain Marvel from DC. Shazam is a house. Like he's a huge individual. Um, yeah. And which I think is dumb because all of his powers are magical. So he doesn't need to be a physical. It's just that he was created in that age where they're all big, big chested barrel, you know, hulking dudes. Uh, I think they could have gone the other way. I think it would have been nice for Hollywood to say like, look, he's got magical powers. Let's just make him. I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, Zach Levi's a, a handsome guy. He's, he has the voice. He's got the, the look of it. I think they could have just gone with it and he would have been fine. Um, and then later on, I mean, so, so warning spoilers. Well, warning, don't watch this. But if you do, I'm going to have to spoil some of it to talk about it. But the end of the film and the climax when he gives powers to his foster family, which I did not see coming. I was like, uh, okay. That's right out of the comics. Is it? So, so I, yeah, yeah, see, I didn't know that. That's fine. Yeah. But I was just like, okay, well, now, now it's like a real kid movie. Comics. Yeah. Now it's a real kid's movie. And I just, like, it and everybody's in a padded suit. It's like, okay, I, this is dumb. Like, and especially, <laughs> especially when like, it's an obvious, very skinny person in a very muscular suit. Like Zach, at least when you look at him in, in, in Levi's, you know, presence, he still has like a decent sized neck. Like he still feels like he could, yeah. could maybe match that body. But the other actors, when they put the suits on, them, was like, no, this looks dumb. And I, like, I really checked out at the climax and, um, the biggest thing for me was the tension in with the villain being such a crappy villain. I mean, played by Mark Strong, who's basically a villain in everything he's in. Um, and he and he can definitely act better than he did in this. Oh, yeah. No, this was this was direction, script and and just character lack of character development all piling against Mark Strong. It's not I don't lay it at his feet whatsoever. Um, it, it was just I mean, the lines that they give him are just brutal. Um to the point where they actually make fun of it later in the film, which I did get a laugh out of. Uh, but like he, the, Dr. Savannah, he walks into his dad's boardroom meeting and kills everyone, his brother, his father, and everyone at the board table. You don't see it, 
but he releases the seven deadly sins as these like gargoyle-esque CG monsters out of his eyeball, which is again, <clears throat> strange. Uh, and they murder them. And then like, they're grabbing people and biting their heads. And like, they don't show it because it's a family film, but they show the teeth going in and then they cut to a scream, you know, and, and you know, uh, people being thrown up against glass and stuff like that. Later in the film, Dr. Savannah is now engaged in the epic battle at the fairground to take on Shazam and his family of Shazamites. I'm not sure what you want to call them. Um, and before, like before that, they're just kids. Like they're all just foster kids ranging from seven to 17, 18. And yeah. these demons that made short work of adults, two minutes, killed a whole lot of them, spend 20 minutes doing nothing but chasing and grabbing these kids around the fairgrounds. Like no one dies. <laughs> no one. <laughs> you know, like not, e- not even the throwaway characters in the crowd die. Like it's, it's dumb. There is no peril whatsoever. Like the amount of times that a demon grabs a kid and has a chance to think about stuff for minutes on end and nothing happens. It's just stupid. Uh, mm-hmm. But to not go down like a total like rant fest and at least grab a few things that were fun about it. Uh, I think maybe Shazam should have been a DC television show. Like I th- should think, think it should have been like a Netflix or some sort of mini series, you know, six to eight episodes. It would have been funny and made it like make, make people sh- know that it's a comedy and it's a kid yeah. show and it's not meant to be, an addition to the DC franchise because it's really not. Um, uh, he's going to be back. He's going to be. I know the they're making like... a sequel, and I just it's stupid. Um, but the the stuff I did like the acting from from Asher Angel is Billy Batson, and any time I laughed, it was definitely Zachary Levi doing stuff as a superhero and going like, "Whoa, that was amazing!" Like th- they're fourteen year old boys. One of them becomes a superhero, and they kind of have to figure out what the hell is going on, and and that was a neat thing to explore. You know, like there were some moments, some of them I've seen a couple of times from the trailer, but other, there were some other things that I thought, okay, that's, that's pretty good. Um, even at the end when I was checking out and being like, okay, this is dumb. I'm just finishing this so I can rant about it on, on the podcast. Um, but there's a moment where Dr. Um, Savannah and Shazam are flying through the city and fighting and stuff. And, Savannah stops and starts to give this like, you know, villain monologue. And they call attention to the fact that Shazam is like six or 800 meters away. (laughs) You know, he's, 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 they're, they're not really close to each other and you can't hear him. (laughs) And so so Shazam is just kind of like, what, what do you say? Like, I can't, I don't. And he's kind of like pointing at his ears and shaking his head. And because they're at this like, you know, okay, corral standoff, you know, floating above the city streets and things like that. And they keep cutting back to to Savannah going like the darkness of my wrath will come forth. And then they cuts back to Shem going, what? Like, I can't I can't hear you. <laughs> so I did. I did find that funny. Um, but true to form, they spent a little bit too much time on it. Like it was funny for the that first. Was, that was kind of my biggest gripe with the movie is if there's a joke. You're it's, gonna get that joke at least two or three times. Yeah. Or that joke is gonna or that joke is gonna last like two minutes when it should have been about a minute long. Yeah, and it's like it's like the name. Like they never land on his name when the name is staring you at the face the whole film. You know, like they they call him Captain Sparkle Fingers, they call him Lightning Lad, they just they do all this kind of stuff. And some of the names are just so ham fisted and dumb and nothing that a kid would ever think would be cool to call a superhero. And I mean, I'm sure it's because they can't call him Captain Marvel because of the MCU and Disney already having the license, you know, to do that. So yeah. in film. So I, I I feel like that was milked to to death. Um, but there were some there were some moments and it was less about like the reaction in terms of like verbal stuff. It was more about the physical stuff where like he goes to stop somebody from doing something or he really tries to be that superhero. And there's a real genuine excitement that I thought came across from Levi's performance where when he catches a bus for the first time, despite despite the fact that it's his fault the bus crashed in the first place because he's a bit yeah. of a klutz. Um, but when that happened, 
and like he caught the bus and he's so genuinely excited about that because he didn't think it was going to work. I, I found those moments kind of endearing and, and fun. Um, but other than that, it really kind of fell, fell flat for me. I just, I, I can't believe they went the padded suit route. Like it really was not the best decision, I think. No, I had fun with it. And when it was over, I've had the chance to watch it again. And I've been like, yeah, no. No, no, there's no, there's no reason, there's no reason to watch it again. I, I, I'd hope that it's the kind of thing that I think there are some DC characters and some Marvel characters that I think just work better as animated, you know, like you can just get yeah. away with a lot more. Um, cause I remember enjoying, um, I can't remember which movie it was. There was like a Superman versus Shazam or there was an animated DC feature that had, um, Captain Marvel in it and dealing with Superman and magic powers. And they have like a, fist fight at first to kind of see who's stronger or something like that but it was well yep. done and 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 the 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 billy batson stuff was also good because it has that spider-man kind of vibe where if it's done well and handled well in the cartoons um you know billy batson has all the problems of a middle school kid you know he's got bullies at school he's got you know he's a foster kid he's got responsibilities and homework you know but then he's also this superhero um, I remember Captain Marvel appearing in some of the Justice League cartoons and it was the same thing. Like none of the superheroes really wanted to work with him <laughs> because he was such a child, um, yeah. but so capable and a good superhero. Like he's a good hearted kid, but you know, like people like Batman were just like, no, I don't, I don't want to work with him. <laughs> Can I not, you know? And I like, it added a little bit of a, uh, some jovial stuff to it, but yeah, like not, not feature film worthy. And unfortunately this makes me really worried about Black Adam. Uh, I didn't have high hopes to begin with, but I don't. Well, well, as far as I know, Shazam's not appearing in the Black Adam movie. No, I know, but I just if they approach Black Adam as as like a family film, then like it's a film about a villain. If there's no peril, if he doesn't kill people, then there's no there's no dice. There's no um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not pathos, but there's no stakes. If there's no yeah. stakes then I it's it's not a compelling story for me. Um, so we'll have to see. But that's that's what I've been watching, and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Did not sound like you had fun with that. What have you been up to? So Erica and I like a show called The Great British Bake Off. I'm sure you've heard of it. I have heard of it, yeah. Okay. Well, they've been running the current season on Netflix, and it just wrapped up in the last week or so. Um, it's showing up on, it, it's one of the few shows that shows up on Netflix week to week. So you have to tune in every week to get it. Nice. Um, and, uh, it's been interesting to watch this season because, uh, not only do they go to the tent, like they always do and they, everybody's got an oven and everybody's got their own little kitchen area to make a, make and bake stuff. And everybody's always so friendly in the show. It's as much as they're competing with each other. When somebody goes home they're all crying about the person that has to go home. It's not like American reality TV where when the person goes off, everybody's like giving the guy the finger as he gets sent off and he's made the villain as he's gone. It's like, aha, you've lost. They don't do that in this show. Everything is so happy. And even the hosts cry when they, when they have to send, tell somebody they got to go home. And I'm always like, I'm like, it, it's so happy. But this year, because of COVID, they had to sequester all these people for like six to eight weeks Wow, to do the show. And so they were all stuck in a hotel together. And so it, they don't show you any of that stuff. They just show the people come out from the tent. But one guy, his wife is pregnant and he hasn't been able to see her for the last like eight weeks. And, it, 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 and he's the guy that goes the longest. And so you're like, oh, if he had just lose, he could go home. <laughs> just, oh, and then he almost wins he goes right to the final round and you're like oh and he didn't win it made for an interesting a very interesting variation to the show than what they have been because apparently even the hosts were sequestered so like it seemed like everybody was kind of stuck together so did it increase the tension at all they filmed it over the summer and they aired it sort of in the fall um and so a lot of the dilemmas that happened in the tent had to do with it being like 100 degrees outside and they're trying to bake ice cream cakes right? that are melting. And so like literally a couple points in the show, the, 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 the hosts even had to be like, 
yeah, we have to kind of forgive the flaws on these things because we weren't thinking it was going to be 100 degrees today. And your cake is melting. We understand. <laughs> yeah, no, that would and that would be frustrating as like these people that work so hard to create this yeah. stuff. Because, I mean, sometimes like I've seen, you know, you see little snippets on Instagram advertisements and stuff like that. Or, or you see like um, pictures that people share. And some of the stuff looks incredible. Yeah. Like it's really, really creative, really. The one thing about the show that's always really hard for me is every week they do three challenges. And the first week, it's usually something easy and it's something creative. And then the second challenge is always, the, they call it the technical. And they're given no photos of what the item is supposed to be. And the directions are usually really vague. And they're expected to know the technical terms so that they can make whatever it is they're making. Like, it'll say, make a puff pastry. It won't tell you how to make puff pastry. It'll just say, make puff pastry, then do this. Right. And I hate those weeks because you usually see about eight of them standing around scratching their head being like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. And then they mess up at some point, but it's not because they couldn't do it. It's because the directions were crap. And I always I always get mad at the second challenge. I always tell Erica, this is part of the show I hate. Uh and then the third week the second the third challenge is always like they call it the showstopper. So they've got to do something creative to the point where they have to actually usually have plans before they go into the kitchen. Like with a document like a drawing of what they're going to make. Right. So there there is a, a part for me where I start to check out of shows and events like this because like i mean i love food i love cooking uh, i don't bake very much so i'm not super knowledgeable of you know in the baking realm uh but when stuff looks like it's not edible like when it starts to look like that's so much fondant just to keep that thing structurally sound uh i no longer think I, why i'm not interested in this in all honesty it's one of the things i do like about this show if they do use fondant it's usually just to put an outer layer on a cake. Right. It's, it, they're not building, they're not usually building um, like, like an entire structure out of fondant. Fondant is usually just there to layer something or hide something. Uh, I'd say a lot of their challenges, they, they'll like spin sugar into like a glass ball and then like put it on top of something and it's something inside. Well, like they, like this year they had one where it was, um, they had to make a cake and then they had to make it look like a, sn a snow globe. And so they spun sugar like a ball and then baked the cake and then put the glass ball over the top of the cake and put little decorations inside. Like it was a, like it was a snow globe. Oh, that's cool. And that was, kind of, that was kind of cool. And I was like, I could see myself doing something like that if it was for like a special occasion, but not something that I would like, do want do uh, just for fun? No, well, it's like any it's like anything. Whether you're <clears throat> semi professional, professional, or even just a very serious hobbyist, like you still have to invest in a lot of gear, you know, to yeah. to do this kind of thing. Like, I mean, uh, my my family was asking me earlier this fall about like ideas for Christmas presents and things like that, and I realized that a lot of what I put down are actually uh, cooking and and baking utensils that I just don't have. And so when it comes to see like someone shares a recipe online or someone, I, I, my cousin is, they cook a lot and I'll often like email them and like, or, or DM them. It's like, Ooh, wow, where did you get that recipe? And how do you do that? And a little bit of research usually leads me down the road of like, well, I can't do that because like, there's a, you know, a hundred dollar piece of equipment that I don't have, you know, or, or, or it's like, well, I could probably swing it, but like, this is not going to work on this cookie sheet. That's as old as I am, you know, like stuff like that. I just, I don't have the equipment. One of the things I will say is almost everything they bake. I think I have every, a piece of equipment they use in their kitchen, in my house. The most we'd have to do is maybe buy a funky pan. That's like 10 bucks to make something. And other than that, I could pretty much make just about everything they make. That's really cool. It's it's nice when they keep it they keep it simple. And that I mean, I think as you mentioned earlier, comparing it to American, you know, reality TV. I can't watch American reality. Oh god, TV. I hate it. I know how much of it is fake. Yeah. And scripted, and you know that the person that they've made to make look like a villain isn't really that mean. It's just that they've edited it all so that they could make them look mean. 
I mean, people have actually sued over that in the past. Yeah, no, and at least with this though, I feel like it has that kind of like air of British modesty, where like yes, the the the, the show is not that dramatic because they don't want to do that, but then also the, the creations are not that like audacious like they're beautiful from what i can see and most of them on the web i'm on the website right now and most of them have like recipes attached to them uh difficulty rating that kind of thing but they don't like if it's something that most people that are into baking could then do at home that makes the show even more appealing because then people can see something they might like and then mimic it at at home yep yep And, and in fact when we got done watching it and erica was like well what are we gonna watch next netflix popped up something we had never seen before and it's called the Great British Bake Off Masterclass, where Paul Hollywood and uh, I, I forget her name. Her name's Mary something. Uh, they put together a thing and they go through some of the prior episodes or, or the prior seasons. And they go through some of the challenges where people had a really hard time. And then they make them right there in front of you so that you can see what they were supposed to look like. And give you the recipe and show you the tricks that they know about making things, so that if the the the, the contestants had done it the way they did it, it'd take them twenty minutes when they had an hour to do it and they still failed. Wow, you know what I mean? And like like it, it, it's really interesting. And then on top of that, they do um they do another they do they do a, a holiday version of that as well, where it's not even stuff from the show. They just pick recipes they like that are holiday related and they make them. This is dangerous for me to watch, Lou. <laughs> this is... uh, trust me, when we finished watching this, Erica found a, th- a, a thing full of cake pans and cake stuff that we could use to make a bunch of stuff. And she's like, I want to buy this. It's 20 bucks on Amazon. And I was like, yeah, fine. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I don't know about buying stuff. I just am worried. I'm just worried about how much stuff I'm going to make and then eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's usually my concern. Um, I'm, I'm realizing now, too, because um, Gem is the CBC app that allows you to watch uh, CBC content and BBC content uh, on mobile uh, and streamed here in Canada. Uh, it's relatively new, at least new to me. Uh, and uh, it's the master classes on that, I think it's also on Netflix. It's hard. Sometimes with Netflix, the same stuff is not available in Canada. But between Gem and Netflix, I think our listeners could probably find both if they don't already have cable um to check it out but yeah i you know i've been looking for something you know chill that's less involved and doesn't necessarily have a story that i have to get into because i've been finding a lot of stuff hard to kind of get into lately this is great for like leaving it running in the background while you're cooking yeah 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 Yeah, i can see that the other thing too that always drives me crazy with with reality tv shows is there's always that person you can't stand Mm mm-hmm ah once in a while there's a person on I've, we've watched like every season of this and they're like on season 10 or something at this point and i'll be honest usually if there's somebody you can't stand they get cut in the first like two three episodes and even then they're not as obnoxious as they are regular reality tv so the other thing that i've done is last time i was on i talked about a book and i, I i'm still in that series and going through other books but while uh, while I was in between books, Ready Player Two came out, and I really liked Ready Player One, even though it hasn't aged well. Um, and I definitely think it's a flawed book, but I had fun the first couple times I read it. Um, and so Ready Player Two, uh, if you didn't like the first book, you're not gonna like this book because it's more of the same. Um, a lot of the criticisms that Ernest Klein got about the first book. He tries to remedy remedy them in this book and he doesn't really do a good job. It's like two steps forward, one step back with everything. Mm. Um, The hero didn't really learn any lessons from the first book. He makes almost all the same mistakes over again. Oh, that sucks. Um, uh, Because... Uh, the thing that happens in this book is the first book ends and you think happy ending. And what you find out is after the happy ending, the happy ending lasts a week. And before everything goes to crap again for him. And he is revealed, finds technology that the, the, the guy who gave the contest in the first book 
left for the winner of the contest to decide whether it's for real for for the public or not for the public and it's basically like making virtual reality uh like not just real but like a thing clamps on your head and you go into the virtual reality anymore it's not uh it's not just a headset anymore it's a thing that clamps on your head and you fall asleep while you're doing it kind of thing and everything you see and touch in the fake world is you can see feel touch and whatever in and immediately the hero is like oh this is amazing everybody needs this and then one of the other characters has to point out all of the problems that this is going to cause for people and cause problems for an already collapsing society and he's like oh stop being so so negative this is going to be amazing and then lo, lo and behold, everything that goes bad could that could go bad and will go bad goes bad. Mm -hmm. and, and the whole time he spends almost the whole book being like, but I made the right choice, didn't I? But I made the right choice, didn't I? Yeah. And you just want to smack him upside the head. I do find it frustrating when your hero doesn't learn lessons. Like that's that's because yeah. for me, I want to look up to a hero, you know? Uh, it's, it's like, um, as much as I enjoy and find very few flaws in the Captain America story in the MCU, the fact that the guy loses a composure whenever someone mentions Bucky drives me nuts. <laughs> like it's cause you look up to, you can look up to him as a character and, and how he's had to change and learn going through the ice and showing up 70 years later and all that kind of stuff. But, but that kind of thing, when, when your hero Unlike Captain America, when your hero can't learn a lesson, it's, oh, it's such a pain. Yeah. And so I enjoyed my time with the book, but the beginning drags. And then there's a spot in the middle where, again, like the first book, they're on an Easter egg hunt looking for Easter eggs inside the fake world. And they have to go to a world that takes place inside basically a world that's a giant John Hughes movie and everything in that whole chapter could have been summed up in maybe 20 pages less 30 pages less um it goes on for way too long and then they end up on a world of prince albums and they spend like a hundred pages on the prince album world and I was literally like beating my head against the desk. <laughs> yeah, I would enjoy like, that either. Can we move on? Yeah. Can we move on? I, I don't need to know about why he was wearing this thing because it was in a book on it. I don't care. We're in Prince. I like Prince. I'm not saying I don't like Prince. I don't need to know about why he's wearing this thing in his hair. Why did you just spend five paragraphs on why he's got this thing in his hair? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it's, it's, like the, it's like the meal descriptions in Game of Thrones. And like they go on forever, forever. The the and the coolest thing about the whole book is the villain. Um, in the last book, the villain was like a corporate entity that was trying to like take over the the oasis and make everybody under their under their thumb and basically corporately take over the world. And the villain in this book is the the contest creator himself. Um, he created an AI version of himself that was supposed to delete himself when the contest was over. And due to a bug, he didn't get deleted and he became sentient. And so now he's basically causing chaos and running amok. Mm. And he's executed a plan to do this other thing and take over this other thing and to cause all this chaos. And it's kind of a neat idea because they're like trying to threaten this AI. And he's like, I don't care. I don't live in your world. What are you going to do to me? Nothing. Mm. I win. And you're like, you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of a good point. We really can't do anything to you, can we? That's a neat idea. And so the villain is kind of neat. And you find out why the villain is flawed and all this other stuff along the way. And that, but that's the most interesting part about the whole book is like the villain. And then in the last couple chapters, it takes another giant leap and goes into like heavy sci-fi. And I don't know if it pulled it out the right way. Mm. Like, I, I, like, like as much as I enjoyed the book, I, I read the book. I'm like, I'm glad I read that. Never going to read this book again. I enjoyed the film. I didn't see, I didn't read the first book, but I thought the film was okay. 
it, commu it communicated the story well enough. Um, yeah. I feel like one of the problems with Ready Player One from a film standpoint for me was that it was just an awful lot of fan service, but that is kind of the MO. Like that's kind of what you're going to the story for. Yeah. Um, but there was enough, there was enough of a backbone to it, I think, that it kept me watching. I liked the, I liked the animinity of the other characters. Like he's got these friends in, in, in the world and you don't know who, you don't know who's who, right? Like you don't know who the real human is behind them. Yeah. And they're all in this, they're, all those characters return in this book and they're all along for the ride. In a good way or, or is it? In a good way. Nice. Uh, basically the five, the, the four or five heroes from the last book, they're all stuck in the game permanently and they will die and have a time clock. If they don't solve the problem in 12 hours, they will die. Oh, okay. That's, that's kind of the premise of the book. Hmm. And so everything is a race against the clock, race against the clock, race against the clock. And I liked that aspect of it. And, uh, and, and not all of the characters get along anymore. Uh, after the first couple chapters, the book jumps ahead, and this all takes place like three years after they won the contest, and a bunch of them don't like each other and hate each other, and then they all have to become try to become friends again and go on an adventure together. That can sometimes work in books, like um, it, it, it works, but it's one of the only things in the book that works. Like when I read Michael Crichton's timeline, uh, all the chapter headers are just countdown clocks. And so they don't beat you over the head with it constantly in the dialogue in the story. It's just like, as you're going through the book, the physical progress through the book counts down and that adds that sense of time sensitive plot points. Right. Well, moving on into the internet minute, which is brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting some value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back into it. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Any level of support will give you an invite to the member only discord server. There are multiple levels with different rewards like discord roles and bonus episodes, that kind of thing. Uh, right now um, for 2020, we have everything accessible at the base level just because uh, during the pandemic, I think a lot of people are looking for extra stuff to listen to and escape into. So we've got that there. Uh, that's patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Currently at 21 patrons. I always like to try to add one per month. So if you want to be 22 um, before the end of December, then you can look at that. Uh, something that I do uh, forget to mention sometimes is that the Discord chat is actually my community Discord chat. So it overlaps with my own personal Patreon plus any Twitch support that I get for um, streaming. So there's a good hundred or more people in the chat. It's not just Citadel Cafe fans, but there's a whole kind of like community around all the different stuff that I do uh, in, in the Discord. So if you're interested in that, check it out at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And speaking of baked goods, this came across my desk this morning in my CBC Morning News, actually. And uh, it is, I hope I pronounce this right. Pepper Kekabian? or Kekbien. It's the world's largest gingerbread city in Borgen, Norway. Uh, I will have a video and a photo gallery in the show notes. The video is from 2019. So just FYI, it's pre-pandemic stuff, which is why people in the video are not wearing masks and stuff like that. Um, it is open to the public from mid-November through December. The profit is always donated to a relief agency that usually works with children in need, that kind of thing. It is open in 2020, uh, but there are um, restrictions. They require uh, online ticket purchase. Uh, they've reduced the number of ticket sales for capacity reasons. And of course, social distancing and masks are, are being worn. But because it is a charity and because of how, um, I guess, prestigious it is, it's, it's a Guinness Book of World Records. Like it's the largest gingerbread city in the world. Uh, and they, they put it on every year. Uh, and... Um, it's really cool. Uh, I was I was impressed at the variety of things, like everything from a gingerbread blimp to like state houses to like little gingerbread cottages. They have like a little, the train isn't made of gingerbread, but there's like a little model train that goes through and they have all these little LED lights that light things up. And 
Uh, there was a soccer stadium. Like, there's all kinds of really cool stuff. So, I mean, for something festive and fun, uh, definitely worth taking a browse through the gallery and watching the the YouTube video. I think the picture gallery is better than the YouTube video, but uh, I just thought it was pretty cool. It is definitely neat. Uh, as as you were talking about it, I'm literally sending it uh, to my wife so that she can take a look at it because this is something that would be right up her alley. Yeah, it's really fun, right? Like I just I love the idea of like for the crowd at the soccer stadium. There's a bunch of little gummy people shaped like like they're not really humans, but like they kind of have like small people type shapes to them. Uh, and so like little gummy bears and little gummy people all throughout the the stands for 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 um, individual people in the in the stadium. Other places they have like little figurines that aren't made of gingerbread, but they're attached to like magnets that like move around on a skating rink. So like it looks like there's little people skating and then everything else around them is made of gingerbread. Like there's the houses and the, you know, the benches and stuff by the skate park, but stuff like that. I just, I thought it was just really creative and fun. And I led me down a rabbit hole of looking up gingerbread architecture. And there's actually a book <laughs> on like, like famous architecture things like, you know, Falling Water by Frank Lloyd Wright and like plans on how to make this stuff out of gingerbread. And I can only imagine what would happen, like given what, you know, architects can do with like balsa wood and like making these little models and things. I would imagine there's probably some pretty epic stuff that happens with gingerbread in the right communities <laughs> around the holidays. Yeah. Uh, actually, speaking of Great British Bake Off, one of the things they do in the holiday versions they always make them bake gingerbread houses, and it's always kind of scary to watch them do it. Like in a good way? Like are they in a good way? They, they build like a whole house with floors and lights, and I'm like, what? The hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that I mean, it's it's something I I notice a lot with all the Lego that I follow online. Uh, I love these people that have the room and well, the disposable income to create these Lego cities, and because LEDs now are to the point where they're quite affordable. Uh, I've actually outfitted my apartment with um, now three strings of LEDs, uh, like behind the TV in the living room, behind my computer here in the studio, um, just as like light and lamp alternatives, you know, as like soft lighting when you're watching television and whatnot. Uh, it goes very well thematically with the uh, the Christmas tree. Uh, but it's like stuff like that. It's very affordable now. And so someone can spend less on the LEDs than they would on most of the Lego. Like any of the Lego sets are gonna be more than your LED sets. And so you'll have like Lego cities with like real working street lights and all that kind of stuff. And and it just adds such a nice feeling. And that's what this this um, gingerbread city is like. They have all these LEDs throughout it. So it, it makes it look much more magical, you know, when it's all lit up. Well, that wraps up this episode of The Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Lou and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can, of course, email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find us by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. But word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about The Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything that I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast, all about Minecraft, at thespawnchunks.com. We had a friend of the show, Logical Geek Boy, on this recent week to talk about uh, skulk sensors, which is a brand new thing being added to Minecraft. So that was a lot of fun. And you can also follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash joelduggan. I've been playing a lot of Minecraft, but Minecraft Dungeons got an expansion today. And I've been getting back into No Man's Sky. So you can look forward to new things over the holidays as hopefully I have a bit of a winter break and we can hang out and play some more games over there. Lou, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me is under all the social media that matters under the name Busy Zombie Lord. And you can also check out my podcast, Zombies Ain't My Podcast, where unfortunately this week we're going to be discussing Walking Dead World Beyond. I'm sorry. <laughs> You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.